the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Graybeal. And on today's episode is another bonus interview. As you know, on these episodes, I normally teach um, a practical short teaching on leadership or business, and it ranges anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. However, from time to time, we're blessed with the opportunity to do a bonus interview. And on today's episode, we have Jose Vargas. Jose, if you could just go ahead and introduce yourself, talk a little bit about what you do, and then we'll jump into the topic of the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jared. Um, I really appreciate it. First of all, I want to say thank you. I know that uh, you usually just do, uh, you know, just solo. Um, and so I really appreciate you for trusting me and, and allowing me this opportunity to really share with your audience. Um, so again, my name is Jose Vargas and I uh, am a leadership coach and I re- recently transitioned from uh, U.S. Secret Service officer to leading people, uh, lead, particularly young leaders in uh, different, whether that's entrepreneurship, uh, one, you know, uh, business owners or CEOs or pastors, um, just coaching them through the process of achieving their greatest uh, dreams, increasing their influence, and just increasing their uh, productivity. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, just from, uh, I'm getting a little feedback on your end. Is that your, it's good now. So um, from, you know, our introduction and originally talking, um, I know that you were born in Chicago, Illinois. Um, you and your wife um, relaunched or replanted a church plant. And yes. um, you've done a handful of things. And I want to kind of dig into those just a little bit. I'm super interested. Um, I know that you grew up in a tough neighborhood. And you've gone on to um, be a part of vocational ministry. And then being a part of you know, building youth, youth and church events. Um, and then now you're a speaker and a, and a coach. But then there's the secret service like window. So can you kind of give like a timeline of, you know, early youth, Jose, yep. to where you are now? That way I can um, better understand what brought you. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, so. Basically, I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, and that's, I, you know, one of the things that attracted me to you, Jared, is a little bit similarities between our stories. Um, even though I was never, you know, locked up or arrested or anything like that, but I had two, I'm, so I got two older brothers and an older sister, and um, I'm the, the baby in the household. Grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, born in Chicago, in a rough neighborhood where literally, uh, it was just, it was, it was so bad. I mean, literally going out to our front porch, we would literally have to say, excuse me to the drug dealers that were on our front porch. And from that, you know, very early on, uh, early in my childhood, I realized that I was set apart. I was called to be a leader. And um, just based on the decisions that I was doing and the, and the, the, the way that I was trying to lead my life at that very, you know, early age. And I, my first leadership role was a youth ministry secretary for this youth pastor. And, um, and that's how I started, you know, leading young people. And I realized very early on that um, if I'm going to lead these people who were, some of them were, you know, my age and some of them were as old as 35. I mean, back then youth groups were, were like that. So, 
Um, but if I was going to lead these people, I needed to grow, I needed to develop, and I needed to uh, lead myself well so that I can set an example for them. Mm-hmm. And so I, later on down the line, I became a youth pastor. And while I was a youth pastor, finishing high school, I knew I wanted to do a few things. I wanted to, uh, to speak and write books. I wanted to do business and I wanted to go into law enforcement. Um, and the reason, um, well, I don't know the reason about law enforcement, but I, that's something that I always wanted to do. And, uh, so I went and tried to pursue that. And so while I was a youth pastor, um, I took, I was a volunteer youth pastor and I took the police test right after high school. And, um, the first time I took the test, I didn't, you know, basically I, I didn't make it high enough on the list. So I passed the test and I was a little disappointed. I didn't make it high enough on the list. So they didn't call me. And then I had to wait for the second hiring cycle uh, in New Jersey. And I took uh, the test again, passed it again. And this time I scored high enough on the list where they would call me. So Jared, I was super excited. Um, I got into the academy. I was there um, and, and I'm still youth pastor. So um, I was in the Trent Police Academy, and as I'm in the academy, I'm doing the push-ups, I'm doing the sit-ups, um, when all of a sudden the captain comes to me, and he says, recruit Vargas, come with me, and my heart just sank, you know, I'm, 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 I achieved this dream, and now I'm being asked, he said, unfortunately, due to uh, your, you know, your doctor, he didn't clear you, We're, we cannot, you know, you cannot continue in this academy, and so... Um, went home, cried that night, uh, literally cried, cried myself to sleep that night because I felt like someone took a needle and popped my bubble, you know, my dream bubble. Yeah. And I didn't understand what was happening. Um, and so basically what happened was uh, the doctors found a condition in my heart called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. And it's basically your heart has four chambers. And when there's too much electricity flowing through your heart, uh, you can run the risk of passing out and things like that. So they had to correct that if I was going to be ever in law enforcement. And so um, in the process of them doing that, I, fortunately, the captain, he put me in city lockup. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so he put me in city lockup where, uh, where I was working, processing inmates. Um, and I did that for two and a half years. In the process, in the process of all that, I was I applied for the Secret Service the first time. And when I applied for the Secret Service, I didn't think I was going to get hired. I was like, I mean, I'm a boy from Trenton, New Jersey. They're not going to hire me. But I applied anyways, and I and I went after it. And I remember they called me, and I thought it was a buddy of mine doing a prank, but it was really them. And uh, the process took took about a year and a half at that time. Uh, for them to come to my house and interview me. And a lot of things happened during this time. At this time, I was leading young adults. So I was no longer in that particular church leading youth ministry that I was basically there for years. I was leading young adults. And um, they came over my house. They offered me the job. And I was super excited. And uh, one day, I was on a missionary trip to Panama came back from Panama and I was speaking a whole week at the school. And right before I went on stage, I remember for some reason, I usually don't, don't do this, but I, for some reason I looked at my email and the email said, due to budget constraints, your application is no longer being considered. They had a, a shutdown in the government. Um, and so again, 
right before I went on stage, I still spoke. I gave him my heart. But afterwards, I sat down after the auditorium cleared, and I just literally just started just tears just flowing through my eyes because this dream that I had was being just, you know, stopped for whatever reason. And um, so I didn't, I, I, I didn't give up on my dream, but I put that on hold. And I said, as a man of faith, I said, you know what, God, if this is not what you have for me, I'm just going to put it on hold and see what, what doors you open. But in the meantime, I was still moving forward. And I think that's, you know, for at least for me, that's one of the things like whatever, whatever tries to stop you, whatever tries to hinder your dream, it's, it's how you respond to those things. And so I said, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to let, you know, bitterness get in my heart. I'm not going to let, you know, whatever uh, disappointment or anything to stop me from progressing forward. And so I got, I, I was in the process of getting married with my wife and, um, in the process, we were doing the premarital counseling. And so this lady who was coaching us, she said, hey, they're looking in Trenton. They're lo-, and at this time, I was no longer living in Trenton. So she said, hey, uh, Trenton, they're looking for a, a pastor to this church that's really dwindling down, it's dying. Um, they need somebody to relaunch it, you know. And so I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I was good on, on what I was doing there in, in young, young adults ministry. Um, but she said it again and, and it was the third time when she, when she said it, she said they have a huge community outreach program that they do. They're, they're in the heart of Trenton. And for some reason, my heart was drawn to that. And we went in and we, you know, we literally, uh, with God's help, we just really changed that organization around. And, um, while I was doing that at two and a half, two, two years, uh, in the process of doing that, I was, I was good. I was building, we were building the church. It was growing. People were, were, people's lives were being transformed. And, um, some, my phone rings one night and it was a buddy of mine. And he says, Hey, Jose, uh, are you still interested? I mean, there's so much to the story, but I'm just cutting it down. So, so he said, are you still interested? And, and I said, interested in what? He said, are you still interested in the secret service? And I said, yeah, of course. And, but, but I, I wasn't sure if I was still interested you know, cause so much time has gone by and, you know, it was one disappointment after another. So I was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm good at what I'm doing now. I'm building people. I'm using my talents. I'm using my gifts. The church is growing, you know, the, the nonprofit on the side was, was, was thriving. So, um, but I said, I hung up the phone and he told me, you know, secret service. And my wife says, Hey, well, will you regret it? And I said, well, I probably would. So we didn't have Wi-Fi in our apartment, so we went to Starbucks and um, and stole their Wi-Fi. But we so <laughs> so you know basically we I, I did the application. It was super long, and I said, "All right, third this this is the third time." So and again, long story short, third time's a charm. I said, "God, uh, you know, if it's in your will, let, let this be," um, and. I, w- I thought it was going to be like the first time where probably a year and a half, but this time it was like quick. I mean, things began to happen fast. And so I launched and I said, all right, I always wanted to do this. And I'll never forget the first day that I toured the white house and just the experience of, you know, being able to protect uh, the 45th president of the United States and the vice president working at, you know, his residence there, just a humbling and amazing experience. What year was this that you got into the Secret Service? This was two and a half years ago. 
Gotcha. And how long were you in the Secret Service? Two and a half years. <laughs> so when did you get out? Uh, literally a few weeks ago, but like literally a few weeks ago. How does that work when you get out? I mean, is that even the right phrase for it? So, all right. So what? So, so basically, for for me and my family, the one of the things that I, I, I achieved this dream. You know, I literally God allowed me to do so many different things. I was the, literally the first uh, uniform uh, division officer liaison to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children within the Secret Service. Um, so I did a lot of different things, uh, but I knew that my family was my first priority. And I always had this other dream to start this leadership company. Um, and it was just one of those moments, you know, I'm sure you've had them in your life where you realize, all right, this, this dream is good, but I have this dream that's even bigger and better, which is to be a good father. I didn't have a father growing up. Um, dad was never in the picture. So I knew, and then we, and we had, you know, we had a little baby girl at this time. So I wanted to be in the picture and I was always traveling with, you know, with president and vice president, but so I didn't really have a lot of time. And so I had to make a decision for me. It was a no brainer. You know, I accomplished this, I, I did this. And now this bigger dream is calling me. That's been, you know, put on hold for over 15 years. So that, that was the transition and that's how I processed the transition. Gotcha. And yeah. so now we're in leadership and life coaching. Am I right? Yes. yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you and I had talked previously and you mentioned that for the most part, what you do is one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, whether it's in person or virtual, um, small mastermind groups, and you walk them through a four stage process in order to help them reach their, their goals and their dreams. So, sure. Jose, what is that four stage process? Sure. So basically what I do is when someone, when a client comes to me or if I go to a, to a, a smaller company, um, basically we take them, I take them through the four stages. The first one is the discovery stage. And I think, you know, it's literally as simple as that discovering where that person is, where is that leader at right now? You know, I, I'm a firm believer and I, and this is what I do in my own life. Like if I want to go to, to, you know, a specific destination or accomplish a specific goal, I need to find out where it is that I am currently, right? Yeah. So the, the, the first process is the discovery stage. Where is that leader? Um, where are they emotionally? Where are they spiritually? Where are they financially? Where are they in their health? Um, and not that I'm going to be, you know, helping them in all those areas, but it's good to know where you are um, in all those areas because all those areas are going to affect where it is that you want to go. Um, so the discovery stage is basically identifying where you are. And then we take them through phase number two, which is the restructuring stage. And in this stage, really, we take the, the client through a process of um, not only identifying or restructuring their dream and, and realigning their dream, but asking 10 specific questions. I didn't come up with the questions, but, uh, you know, just uh, love these questions, apply them in my own life. And these questions really help authenticate the dream. You know, is this dream really your dream or is it given to you by your father, by your mother or, or whatever the case may be? And so we walked them through those soul searching questions in this phase where at the end of this phase, they're clear. This is my dream. 
-hmm. you know, this is where I want my life to go. This is or where I want. I'm sorry? Or they're not. Or they're not, right. Yeah. Or they're not, yes. And, and which and, and it redirects us back to the first, the discovery stage, right. you know? If not, then we go back to, to, to the first stage. All right, let's discover what, what is your dream. You know, why is it that this was your dream for a while and then, you know, you, you, you kind of deviated back to this, you know? And, and that's... Of those questions, the top, the 10 questions, what are a couple of them? So the first one is the, is the ownership question, right? So is this dream really my dream? So, you know, you look at this, again, I, like a lot of people, you see a lot of people on social media, a lot of people within our communities, they're, they're living this dream, but it's not really their dream. They're, they're the dreams given to them by their father. You know, they're the dreams given to them by their mother, by their family, you know, by the pressure of society or even, you know, just to impress on social media. Yeah. So they don't own the dream. So the ownership question really asks, do you really own this dream? Because if, if, you, if you don't own the dream and you know this as a business owner, if you don't own the dream, you're really not going to make it. Because yeah. it's going to be hard to, to try to, you know, achieve. like even just a, an example, Jared, um, when I was in the academy, you know, waking up at, I did two academies for the Secret Service. And the first one was, I was three months away from my wife. And, the, you know, that was hard. Yeah. You know, not only was I away from my wife, but I was also away waking up at four in the morning when I wasn't used to waking up at four in the morning you know, being a pastor. So, um, just, so do you own the dream? Yeah. Is the dream really yours? The second question is the clarity question, the clarity question, which is, do I clearly see my dream? Right. So it, this, this goes with the, do, do where, where is it that you like, for example, if I want to go to, from New Jersey to Maryland, right. I need to see where it is that I'm going and put it on the GPS. So that's the same um, way we answer this question. Do I uh, see, can you hear me still? Yeah. Like, can you truly envision the dream? Yes. Yes. Do you really see the dream happening in your life? If you can, like I saw myself protecting the president years before I was actually there, you know, literally, I mean, I had dreams about it. Yeah. I spoke about it, you know, and, and just when you get to do it, it's like, wow, I saw this. So it's like, you're living life two times because you see it in your mind at first and then you're walking out and you're living yeah. it in reality, you That's know? So cool. Yeah. And then, uh, just a few more, just the third question is the, the reality question. Am I depending on factors within my control to achieve my dream? Mm. You know, a lot of times, like recently I was talking to, to a client and you know, he was, he, he wants to be the same person, person on stage than and the same person at home. You know, and, and one of the things that I asked them was um, basically, okay, so what are the things that you can do to be that man? You know, so are you, are you blaming other people? Are you blaming what's happening around you? Are you blaming your circumstance? I'm not saying your circumstance is not valid or real, but are you, are you taking ownership of that? And are you depending on the things that you can do to change your life around and become that person? Yeah. So that is the reality question. What's another, what's, what's the seventh question? The seventh, the cost question. I love this one. <laughs> Am I willing to pay the price for my dream? That's a really good question. You know, and Jared, I'm sure you see this in the fitness world. Um, I know you're, you're buffed. I'm trying to get to you, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm you sure. willing to pay the cost. 
<laughs> yes, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, I mean, I, I see your post all the time where, where you're paying the price, you know, and I'm like, wow, that's like literally the other day, I signed up for Orange, you know, Orange Theory Fitness, right? Yeah. Not too far from my house. And because I was just going to the gym and I was, I just hit a plateau, you know, yeah. just, and, but I knew going in that I had to pay up front. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to take that free class. I'm going to pay. Cause if I pay, I'm committed to yeah. doing, it. you know, and I think a lot of times as leaders, we, we underestimate the price for our dreams, yeah. you know, and, and we, we think that it's going to be easy. We think that, that just because we dream it, it's going to happen. But the reality is there are so many roadblocks along the way and so many sacrifices that need to be made in order to achieve that dream. So one of the questions is, am I, am I willing to pay, pay the price for my dream? You know, am I willing to pay the price to go to that next level? You know, to, it's a lot of, you know, we see it nowadays more than ever, even when it comes to like saving money, you know, am I willing to pause that instant gratification, you know, and, and, and that, that desire to look good so that I can pay cash and not have to worry about, you know, impressing yeah. other people. So, and this is where the, where a lot of people, and I'm sure you experienced this experienced this in coaching where a lot of people get turned off and they never move after they're never, they never move beyond wanting to doing, yeah. you know, because the price is too high. Yeah. And so takes a lot of work. what is it? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. Yes. Yes. So the first one is um, discovery. The yes. second one is restructuring. And that's where you would ask those 10 questions. And by this time, if they've made it, right? If they yes. get past the 10 questions, what's the third one? Is the implementation stage. Okay. So at this, this stage is, I, I was literally just talking about this with, some, with a client. And, and he was like, he, he's a dog trainer. And, um, and he was talking about how he's, he's still got to read and get ready and all these sorts of things. Um, and I told him, no, you're, you're, you already know what you need to do, right? So now it's time to implement what you learned. It's time to implement what you already know. So in this stage is where we walk through, we walk with the client to help them implement those things that they learn, help them implement those things. Sometimes we want things to be perfect in order to implement them. I know for me, that's true. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I, I also realize that if I just implement things as I'm learning them, the more they will stick to me and the more they will become mine. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, we know education without implementation is really obsolete. Right. Um, right. You can know a bunch of stuff, but if you don't do it, then it doesn't help anybody. Yes. Uh, certainly doesn't help you. Right. Right. And then the last stage, what's the last stage like? The last stage is the production stage. This is the stage that we all want to be in. Um, but if we don't go through these other stages, you know, we can't get to the production stage. This is the stage where dreams are fulfilled, um, where productivity goes up. You know, what you desire for your life, you begin to see those desires manifest in your life, um, whether that's a job, whether that's a business, whether that's profits, whether that's having a great team around you. Um, you know, that implementation stage is, or that production stage is where really your team begins to not only see your vision, but, but own the vision yeah. and really go after those things that you see as the leader of the organization, or even just in your own life. Like if, if you want to see things change and you begin to do these things that we, we shared, 
that's the production stage. That's the stage where you get to eat from the fruit of the of your labor, basically. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Um, and I love how practical it is. I'm a numbers guy. Like, a numbers guy in the way, for example, I, like, I love math, and that's cool. But I like things to be numbered, you know? Um, yes. So I love, you know, when you sent that over to me, your four-stage process, um, it sort of it paints a picture or it draws out a map. Um, for the people that you're working with to understand where they're at in the process of achieving their goals. Um, so Jose, before we, uh, before we jump to the end, I have a handful of questions that I, I kind of want to go back and talk a little bit about secret service um, sure. for a minute. And then I've got a couple random questions that I typically ask everybody um, in the secret service. What do you think one of the greatest leadership lessons you ever learned was in the secret service? Um, I need to think through this one, not because I don't know, uh, but just I, I need to just be careful how I, I walk with this one. But maybe a personal one for me in the leadership is, can I say two? Yeah, <laughs> as long as you're allowed to, you know. So, so the first one is communication. I mean, this one is obvious. Yeah. But, but it's, our mission can't be accomplished without communication. But if every leader will understand and take this to heart, that if you're going to thrive in your marriage, if you're going to thrive at, in your business, if, if you're going to thrive with people, you need to learn how to communicate effectively. Absolutely. You know? It saves lives. Yeah, it saves lives. I mean, we can't accomplish our goal without communication, basically. And then number two, uh, really connect with people. And this one was a, kind of on a more negative one um, that I experienced personally. Uh, but but really, when, when you know when you're speaking to people, when you're connecting with people, whether that's your spouse, whether that is your team members, really look at them in the eye and really connect with them. You know, I'll never forget Jared that uh, you know I was in charge of of this program, and I had a big boss come in, and I remember I was super nervous but super excited to show him around. I was nervous because he was the top dog, and um, and I was showing him around, and I, I know, I'll never forget that as he was talking to me, he really wasn't paying attention to me, you know. There was more important people there, obviously, but, um, but at that moment, and this is, this is a, a, the teaching here, at that moment, I, I literally internally shut down, and I said, all right, this guy's not paying attention to me, so I'm just going to pretend I'm talking to him instead of giving him all these ideas and all these things that were happening within the organization that would have made him look 10 times better. You know, and so that happened that and I believe that when we don't connect with people as leaders, we lose our best people. You know, we lose uh, the ability to get the ideas from our people, the, the, the real insights from our people. When you look people over their shoulders instead of really look at them for who they really are in the moment. You know, I know we all have a lot of things going on, but if you just take a moment to pause and really listen to what this person is saying, you would draw out of them. Uh, more that's going to ultimately benefit you as the leader. That's really good, man. I had no idea how good that was going to come out. Um, that's great, dude. And I appreciate you being able to share those examples. I'm sure like being in secret service, you can't actually share names or, you know, instances or whatever. So I appreciate that. A couple more things, man. Um, and this one's random, but what's the best investment of time or money that you've spent in the last year? Family stuff aside, right? Because we all know you're probably going to say something with the kids or whatever. Aside from that, what's the best investment of time or money you've made in the last year? 
the, over the last year, I've made two investments and two huge investments. Um, over $26,000, and that is to hire um, a coach in two different occasions. I mean, that I'm still working with right now. Okay. Um, it's taken my leadership to a whole nother level. Um, it's taken my uh, productivity to a whole nother level and my focus to a whole nother level. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you said one of your investments was a coach? Yep. What's the other investment? And the other one was uh, basically how to get better as a coach. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> and if you could think of anything to put on a blank billboard on the busiest street that you can imagine, what would it say? It would say, make your life count because your generation is depending on you. Mm. That's heavy, man. That's <laughs> cool, though. Jose, I really appreciate this conversation. Um, I've learned a lot, especially from your four-part process. I love how you dig into people's dreams to really make them realize whether or not it's their actual dream. You and I both know, especially from working with people, that um, we can let our environment or um, our culture impress upon us a dream that may not actually be organic or real. It may not be what we want. So I love that you're helping people find out what it is that they truly want and then help them reach those goals. Um, Jose, how can people find you? What's your Instagram, website, stuff like that? Um, my Instagram is reach uh, higher, at reach higher. And then my website is reachinghighernow.com. Uh, awesome, man. I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, I hope you have a great day, and I'm sure we'll catch up soon.